Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the Contact Us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the same sort of thing where it's like we've been recording or we've been talking for a half hour, and uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We're here to read some Marvel comics and enjoy them, hopefully. That's the what? goal, at least. Nobody told me that was yeah, part of the deal. this was homework. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure that from the outset, I was like, hey, guys, let's try to accentuate the positive on this podcast as much as we can. I'm pretty sure that was in, like, the design documents. Not for this. Podcast. Oh, that would that would that would imply that there was design documents. <laughs> there were. I wrote them. I probably still have them somewhere. I mm, uh, I never saw I, these. I don't think he. I think he's lying. I think so. I think that this is just a ruse. I don't know why he would try to do this to impress us. He doesn't need to. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're a butt. <laughs> Aldo and John are here with me tonight, and we are going to read some comics. And I think I think the obvious place to start tonight is with the shorter story, uh-huh. and then we move on to the, to the Spider-Man event. Sure. So we started by reading the, the first three issues of the Fantastic Four relaunch from 2018. This is Fantastic Four in the wake of uh, Secret Wars, when the team was kind of disbanded because Reed and Sue and their children were traversing the multiverse, recreating the multiverse, and that left the thing in the Human Torch on Earth by themselves. I, I think you mean they were in a petty fight between a mom and a dad because they can't the dad couldn't get the rights back to the kid. Yep. <laughs> oh, you're you're talking about all the Fox shenanigans. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. It took me a bit, but I'm here. It's a real bitter custody yeah. fight. It's uh yeah, it's yeah. Not good. I mean theoretically in that analogy, Marvel really should have been the mom, but I mean, that's getting to like some real specifics that I'm not comfortable with exploring for the sake of a joke. I'm actually not super excited. So here's the thing. I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's not that it's not a good story. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Let me start with issue number one. I can't log into my Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I've had to reset my password like three times today. Oh, so yeah, they had another system update and that stinks sometimes. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, second of all, I'm not a super huge Fantastic Four fan. Like I've I've read them when they're in books I read, which are not Fantastic Four books. Um, and three, uh, this is the first Fantastic Four book I've ever read. <laughs> That's not true. Really? It really is. It's the first like. Didn't we read Fantastic Four? Didn't we read uh, actually Fantastic Four number one? No, we read the Galactus trilogy. Yeah, but didn't we also? Oh, yeah. Didn't we also? Yeah, the Galactus trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't read Fantastic Four number one. And we read Parable, but that's a Silver Surfer story. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's more Fantastic Four adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I did read. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did read uh, 
that coming out of Galactus. I guess that counts, I guess. It literally took place in a book called Fantastic Four. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It did. So you, in, in point of fact, would be a uh, horrible liar, is what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, I would like to rescind my comment from this court of law. Yeah. As your attorney very, in this matter, you really got to watch very, that. feel very, very uh, attacked right now. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So uh, okay, so a little bit of a little bit of background. So I'm not gonna give the background on the book because Stephen already did that, in the sense that like <laughs> they disap- they went off to be to be uh, comic book gods um, for a little bit. But really, what happened is uh, Fox wouldn't sell the, <laughs> the Fantastic Four rights back to Marvel. Uh, so Marvel, in retaliation, decided to cut all uh, production of Fantastic Four books and such i think they even stopped doing toys at one point now i don't know how much of this is actually like i've I've heard all of this is like conspiracy theory but i don't know how much of it is actually true i mean it all lines up steven i mean it lines up but you know you you sound like the guy from from it's always sunny with the the board (laughs) and the string all right steven if you don't want to pay attention to the facts then i guess the lizard people got to you before i could oh no oh god you poked at his string steven Listen, if you slow down footage from Obama's inauguration at point twenty <laughs> at a, a point twenty five speed, you can clearly see his eyelids coming in from the sides and not the top of the bottom. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Now no, I do know that there um <laughs> in an old interview, uh Chris Claremont like made a passing reference to like the uh, the X office, the X Men office to like directed to like not make new characters because they became Fox characters. And so they didn't want to give them more fodder to play with. And so like they, they didn't really make a whole lot of new characters. I don't know how that works because I think all new X-Men they introduced, um, or, uh, yeah, all new X-Men or like when it was just untitled, just not, not even, uh, well, whatever this good, the good Cyclops is, what's the good Cyclops? Uh Yeah. In those, he like finds new mutants that have like, have cool powers and, uh, and then gold balls, which is ridiculous. I don't know what he, yeah, it's just a ridiculous power set. He shoots out gold balls. Yeah. That's so weird. Why, why, whatever. Anyway. Um, so those were new characters. I think about that same time frame. So I don't know. If that's true, or if it was just Chris Claremont, you know. Being Anyways, I mean, that, yeah. I, am I the only one who thinks it's a little, it's a little suspicious that all of a sudden Marvel gets the rights back and hey, let's come out with some more Fantastic Four stuff. Oh, you're literally not the only one who thinks that's suspicious. A lot of people thought it was suspicious. Yeah, you know what? A lot of people also believe that <laughs> that Jeff Fuel can't melt steel beams. Which side oh, of this are God. you arguing now? <laughs> I don't know. No anymore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, oh, this this book picks up with the uh, the remaining Fantastic Two, uh, just kind of hanging out, trying to move on with their lives. Uh, by the two, I mean uh, Johnny Storm, not the original Human Torch. That's a different one. He was an android. I got schooled on that on this podcast. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing. Uh, they're having, they're, they're trying to move on, but kind of not like they, they don't want to give up. But it's been, it's been a couple years, and uh, all of a sudden the the, the Fantastic Four uh, signal flare thing like pops up into the sky, and everybody gets real excited because they're coming back. Which why wouldn't they? This is the first book in like two years, um, you know, ever since they stopped doing it, so they couldn't give free advertisement to Fox. Anyways, um, 
<laughs> so so Johnny Storm and the thing get all excited. They find out it's just a couple kids who broke into the thing's apartment. Uh and then uh the thing decides it's gonna get married to uh oh, Alicia Masters. Is that who it yeah, is? That's okay. who that is. <sighs> that was a that was a stab in the dark. <laughs> um <laughs> She was also in the Fantastic Four story that you have definitely read. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and I'm sorry, wait, is Alicia Masters blind? Yes. So Aldo's stab in the jar- dark joke was uh, real hurtful. Inappropriate. How dare you say that? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh then they, they get they get teleported to another dimension. Um not the yeah, the, yeah, it is another dimension. Anyways, cut to the family of uh Reed Richards, uh Sue Storm and the kids. Valeria and Franklin Richards. Yep. And they've been going around uh, recreating the multiverse uh, by just hopping dimensions. And Franklin does a little Kamehameha thing and he's like, extra galaxy. Um, <laughs> that's exactly how it goes. Don't question it, it, me on this. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he like he balls it up a little bit and then just splits it out. Uh, and they get to the point where they have, he's run out of the juice. He can't, he can't come up with more. Uh, really kind of signaling that He's done his job. He doesn't need to make more. It's all been remade. Oh, also Valeria has a crush on like some alien dude and she really wants to go hang out with him because I mean she's you know, she's a teenager. She's about that time. He was shirtless. Yeah. So <laughs> Franklin forgot to invent shirts for that reality. <laughs> yeah, he did. I hope he did it I hope he did a reality they didn't mention it, but I hope they did a reality that was exactly like ours, but everyone had a mustache. <laughs> like Tom Selleck glorious mustache. I believe that was technically a thing that existed under the old Marvel multiverse. Ah, yeah. I thought it was just Star Trek. It was Marvel too. Huh. Neat. Uh so so he's running out of the juice, uh, and it turns out that they've been being they've been being ch- are there being been uh, I don't know how these sentences work. They were they had been chased. I feel like there's a better way to say that sentence, but I, I cannot. Someone was out. chasing them. Somebody has been chasing them. There it is. <laughs> they were chased. There it is. <laughs> they uh, saved themselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, they were being chased by a person uh, who has been destroying these uh, universes that they've been creating, which really. It's a little disappointing. It's like if you were going around building Lego houses on a street and somebody's just walking behind you and just kept stepping on them. Just a real jerk move. Yeah, they were wearing like really heavy boots so it didn't hurt them. Like they were just it's just for the sole purpose of destroying your Lego houses. This is what was happening in that book, uh, on a much more epic scale. And they get kind of challenged and backed into a corner and they decide that they're gonna uh Summon like the rest of the uh, of the Fantastic Four family, because because uh, this destroyer of universes tells them like, I'm gonna destroy you, and everything you've done, and they're like, you wouldn't be able to beat us if we were actually all here. The Fantastic Four was here, haha. That was the trap, because uh, she lets them summon the rest of the Fantastic Four, and through like one of those dumb legal loopholes, instead of yeah. summoning just the thing and uh, the Human Torch. They bring in every person who has ever been part of the Fantastic Four family. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not gonna lie. I actually thought that was great. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic, eh, Aldo? Oh, oh gosh. That's never going to end tonight. <laughs> Her fun. title is the Griever, of, uh, the Griever at the End of All Things. Yeah, sure. 
Her, <laughs> hey, her costume. Okay. Her head. Her headpiece and um, uh, you know, underboob demand demand more respect. Is all I'm saying. It is a, Somebody had to say it, it is a wild costume. You know, I would comment on it if I could log into my Marvel Unlimited account. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> He's like, I have no underboob in front of me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. It's not that I'm not trying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say this. Technically, we all have underboob in front of us. <laughs> Look, man, I'm doing keto as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This, this anyway, is the. This is the second time I feel attacked on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is, although this is definitely not a safe place. Not a safe yeah. space at all. Not, not a safe space for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they summoned all the Fantastic Four people who have ever been fantastic to Ford. Um, and they fight and they hit the crap out of this lady. And, you know, happy ending. They get to go back to their original dimension. And they get to invite everybody else to the wedding for the thing that he's going to have with Alicia Masters that he proposed to before he got sucked into another dimension. Which doesn't happen for like two more issues after this. Right, right. I think that's a fairly succinct summary. Yeah, I think it's good. I would only, yeah. I would point out that we get to see Mr. Fantastic's, uh, you know, real superpower because they don't really, I mean, in any of the issues Legal loopholes? Seen, yeah. <laughs> No, in any of the uh, Fantastic Four that I've seen, you don't really get him. To, he doesn't really do the cool Elastigirl stuff, you know. Like that's where you see like that kind of stretchy powers at its best is Elastigirl doing stuff in the Incredibles movies because it's the same power. He's his brain is his his power really, and he right. he outmaneuvers, you know, the griever of all, the end of all things, uh, because she only has one way of getting back to her reality, and she planned on using that to go to you know earth and go to the the six ones i guess the 616 reality and destroy all of that because she can't create anything and so he takes out all of her support and she's left with just her by herself with the ship and then boom they also they also uh i forgot to mention they're also traveling with the future foundation yeah. and i don't remember that i don't remember that i don't remember how that happened uh, i think that just picked up from the end of uh secret wars as well because the future foundation was such a big part of the Hickman Fantastic Four stuff leading up to that point, mm-hmm. and that they just kept them all together. Like yeah. I really think that's all it was. Um, kind of a shame, honestly. Sorry, like I'm gonna I'm gonna start by voicing one of my biggest nitpicks with this series or with the story, and it's just the way that they like so callously killed off the Molecule Man. Oh, but but yeah. don't they like immediately retcon it like at the end where they're like, oh, he's fine. He'll figure it. He'll, he'll come back. Yeah. Like, I think that's how they justify it, but I still think it's callous. <laughs> I have no real emotional attachment to the Molecule Man except for his role in Secret Wars, which I thought was awesome. He, he's actually one of my favorite parts of Secret Wars. And so for him to just get like bumped off like that and uh, like nobody deals with it frustrates me but yeah it, i mean it's it's entirely possible that he's just going to come back because his powers are so bananas Spe- uh, speaking of things that are bananas i didn't know what uh valeria's power set was oh yeah uh apparently she's valeria von doom right now or is that not right now i don't know oh goodness i i've never actually been clear like valeria has some sort of relationship to dr doom and i'm not sure what it is i think it's Dr. goddaughter doom it deliver her. yeah it says goddaughter of Vic, dr victor von doom but i'm not to that point yet uh susan oh yeah also i i, I also like that i i don't know if this is their oh yeah this is their first appearance with our new like hero names which are brainstorm and powerhouse yeah 
Those are bad names. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, Brainstorm's I okay. Powerhouse is actually pretty bad. I mean, he picked that one himself, and that's kind of what you expect a uh, vaguely 14-year-old kid to pick. Yeah. He's got I don't know. older than that. I, does he? I don't know. I feel like he, he needs to be older than that. I don't think Somebody tell me that he's older than that. I don't know why I need this so much, but emotionally I'm very invested <laughs> in Franklin Richards being older than that. You know, I can't I can't see anything in the in the Marvel wiki, which is the only thing I have access to right now. Um, I could I could tell you he weighs a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Uh, during the uh, due to the numerous supervillain attacks on the Baxter Building, New York City's Child Protective Services questioned the safety of Franklin and Val. After much reluctance, Reed and Sue decided to relinquish custody of their children. However, an initial condition that a dummy safe house was to be set up in a press release to be released stating that the children had already been moved. The decision to actually move Franklin and Valeria was rescinded after the safe house that they were to be placed in was reduced to a crater, along with everything within a half-mile radius by an attack within four hours of the press release. Yep. <laughs> like, don't don't mention where you are to bad guys or where you might be or anything. Reed Richards is such a manipulative a-hole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like somebody was super aware of this and then just decided to make him a villain in a whole other universe. Yeah. <laughs> he just thinks he can bend around the law. I think, I think, I think Reed Richards has like a bit of that, um, like professor X type thing. Yeah. Where like, he knows better, as a, like that kind of well, thing. no, I mean like as like passively as a reader or just as a consumer of the media, um, if you don't think about it too hard, you just kind of accept things as they're kind of fed to you. Like, they're like a good guy. You're like, yeah, that's the hero. That's the guy that leads the team. But really, when you start thinking about this stuff and you really start digging into the morality of the decisions that they've done, you're like, wow, he's a stretchy a-hole. Yep. <laughs> I think there's something like, there's probably some academic paper that is uh, out there begging to be written. Um, this is the way I think about things. But like, <laughs> you've got Reed Richards and Professor X who are both like these embodiments of like, 60s era paternalist good do-goodery you know like they're very father figurey and they're very like you know i know what's best and oh you silly woman get back in the kitchen and oh kitty pride i know what's best for the team and like as these characters have matured and as you know audiences have have made new realizations and kind of moved on in their thinking they kind of wind up looking really bad and a lot of pe- writers lean into that. Like the most recent development with with uh, Reed Richards is that we really need to read House of X and Power of X when when those hit the app because I'm very very curious about them. They've created a really interesting status quo. Um, Reed Richards did this thing where he like uh, manipulated his son's DNA so Franklin wouldn't show up as a mutant anymore. And he did that specifically to try to keep the X-Men from trying to recruit him. But that manipulation, he didn't tell Franklin about it. It was super invasive. And Franklin, like, said, screw you, Dad. And now he's, I think, hanging out with the X-Men. Uh, wait, are they technically... Valerian and Franklin technically mutants? Yeah. Franklin is. I don't know about Valeria. Is it because they were born that way and they weren't, like, registered... They weren't, like, sped on by cosmic radiation? Yeah. Uh, like, Franklin's mutation is said to be some sort of like result of both like there's definitely the cosmic rays involved but also he is explicitly a mutant with the x gene hmm. neat um valeria as far as i can tell is just human with apparently superpowers somehow 
Wait, I'm in the wiki. I can find this out. <laughs> no, it says like she might she might be from an alternate future where she's the child of Doctor Doom and um, uh, Susan Richards. <laughs> Uh, and then she was revealed to be the second unborn child of Reed and Sue, whom Sue seemingly miscarried years before, who had originally been named Valeria Megan Richards under the guidance of Roma. Franklin had used her, his powers to save the child, taking her from her native reality and sending her someplace else, in quotation marks, where she was raised by another invisible woman who had married a now heroic Dr. Dune after the death of her first husband. Wow, that's a mess, man. Do you guys realize that Franklin's been around since... Like the eighty eighth issue of Fantastic Four. Seriously, what's he been doing the whole time? Apparently, aging to the age of fourteen and no old. Because <laughs> Valeria's My word only is been canon. A, Valeria's only been around since ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, not the ninety ninth issue. Who knows when the ninety ninth issue came out? It's yeah, yeah, baby Valeria. I don't, I don't see this. Okay, let's talk about this story some more though. Oh yeah, I, I didn't oh. mind it. I I I think the art is great and the color is really fun. Um. I have a really cool variant cover that I looked up the artist just a second. Yeah, I think. Oh, so I mean, be- before we go, before we move on, I-, I did a terrible job at saying anything about the the, the credits. The creative team, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- this was written by Dan Slott, who was a, f- a fantastic, really great writer. Um, one of my favorites. He's really the one that got me back into collecting Spider-Man comics. Spider-Man. Um, art by Sarah Pacelli, who did a good portion of the ultimate spider-man comics and a lot a lot more to her credit um we got inker and let's see uh what's a bit of did we go, no who's the, who's the one that you're always letterer isn't that the, joe yeah joe caramanga uh and then oh also cover art by asad ribic yeah yeah, and it, it, it looks like him. Nico Leon. Yeah, it's really great. Nico stuff. Leon uh, is one of the other artists credited in, in the uh, third issue. Also, the um, Eric Powell is the artist on the variant cover that I got. Um, it was a really cool cover. It was part of the reason why I got the book because I was like, "Oh, they're back!" And this is a great this is a great cover. But it's a variant on number one. But anyway, oh, yeah. Eric Powell, I know. I, yeah, he's good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So all that to say that the writing here is. Uh, before we even start talking about why it's good, it's it's good. Like the art here is uh, really great, really well done. I think my opinion. Um, so, anyways, now we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, the 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 art is good. Reed Richards' beard is hideous. Oh yeah, he should shave right away. Who <laughs> who freaking Sue? Don't let your man. No, look like that. No, no, no. Uh, do you, Sue, do you let your man walk out of the house in the morning with that hair? She probably puts up a force field just around her mouth like it's a, a coronavirus mask. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you put up this mask. Why is it a coronavirus mask? I thought we should say topical and on the trend. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, let's let's age our podcast. Let's date it. <laughs> oh I'm sorry. Oh, it's got that Spanish flu. Gotta cover your mouth. <laughs> you know, it's uh it's a swine flu mask. Sorry, this this marks a, a hundred this year is a hundred years since my namesake died of the Spanish flu. Just putting that out there. Oh. Happy huh. anniversary? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we are just pa- all over don't worry. today. Papa lived, uh, so we're okay. He was he was a baby, <laughs> oh. but I knew him, so you know. <laughs> I'm I'm so confused. What were we talking about? Uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, and okay. beards are terrible. Richard's beard is bad. Yeah, 
Richards yeah. has a bad beard. I think that the, the thing would look interesting with a beard. I don't know. Would it be just pebbles or gravel? <laughs> oh, since we're talking beards, uh, I looked it up. It is Marvel Universe 200,500 is the one where all the Avengers have beards. Thank you. That was going to bug me. Thank you. That is a thing that exists. <laughs> oh, there's a... Is this way? Oh, there is a picture of the of the thing with a beard. <gasps> Google, 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 Google. Google's hard to say over <laughs> and over again. Uh, <laughs> Thor with a beard, or not Thor? Excuse me, Thor has a beard. <laughs> Colossus with a beard uh, is amazing. Doesn't it turn to metal? Also, not this one. Oh, okay. Uh, ben Grimm beard. We only read the first three issues, right? Right. <laughs> yes, we did. Okay. And we still haven't talked about them, so yeah. You know. <laughs> Are you, talking about, are you talking about him as a pirate? That's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyways, uh, I mean, Stephen, what is there to say? I, well, oh, like, I don't know. This is a celebration of the Fantastic Four. As someone who hasn't read a whole lot of the Fantastic Four, I actually found that I still appreciated it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that strikes me about it. I'm not the biggest Fantastic Four fan. I've read more than you, Aldo, but not much. Mm-hmm. And I actively, like, Reed Richards is kind of like Doctor Strange for me in that I think they work best as supporting characters. And mm-hmm. it's a really good story that makes me care about them as main characters. I don't get that here. Um, so Reed, I don't care that much about. Um, I like Sue, fine. I like Johnny, fine. Ben Grimm is great. I, yeah. I, I find that I really, the more I read of the thing, the more I like him. Yeah. For being, like, the least human-looking character... In the in the cast, I I love the thing because he is the most human character. He's not like a daredevil. He's not like, uh, like he's not a celebrity. Well, I mean, technically he's a celebrity, but it's not like he doesn't think of himself as one. He's not a super genius. He's just a dude that grew up on Yancey Street in in New York. I'll let you know that. Yeah. Uh. So that's that's why I like him a bunch. <laughs> he's like an uncle. I wish I had. He's. I, I think yeah. his this re- the rendering of the thing in this is my favorite that I've seen, and I've only ever seen him as like supporting roles, you know. Before I mean, oh, I guess we I maybe mean, read Galactus, but they never quite get his like eyebrow ridge to look normal, seen from like different angles. But in this one, it does. This one, it looks good because it's they just kind of they kind of take it back a little bit. It's there, but it's not like this weird indentation that like pokes out from the side of his head when you're seeing him straight on and so i think that they handled that well and then you get you know other angles where like it 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 looks striking as opposed to just off-putting and weird um yeah and so yeah favorite rendition of of the thing um in this and they do a couple of things like one of the last uh, the last page one of the panels uh, I think is a callback to their first issue. Don't they have one where they put all four of their hands in, and like the first, the first one where they're all kind of saving their names? Like, what? There's only one equation we've ever needed: two plus two equals four. That solves everything. Ah, uh, even I can't argue with that math. And they all have their hands in. I think that's a oh, callback. Like that's a thing. Yeah. I think it's a callback to like when they first say like we're going to be the Fantastic Four, and the thing's like, well, you might as well just call me the Thing. Like, rrr, rrr. Um, yeah, I think in that's what it is. One of the douchiest Reed Richards panels ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely a callback, and I think it's well done. His, his line here is much better yeah, yeah. Than, than, and I'll be Mr. Fantastic, yeah. you monster. Yeah, all of them should just be like, dude, we're going to call you Silly Putty Boy. You don't get a name yourself. <laughs> but. We're going to call you Pregnancy Pants because you're stretchy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Okay. Um. I'm sorry. I'm proud of that one. Oh. <laughs> also, okay. So, so I have to. So, you know, I have to agree with Stephen. I'm really simple. You know, I haven't really read a whole lot of Fantastic Four. I've also have mostly read them through other other books, and I think one of my favorite things was always the uh, Johnny Storm Peter Parker dynamic. Uh, oh yeah. Where like where they're almost they're pretty much like brothers. Um, so much so like Spider Man is. You know, it's kind of considered uh, Franklin's like uncle. Um, that's a really cute dynamic, and you kind of see it into play here. Um, but I but I think, but I think the thing I like the most about this book, specifically like on issue two, is when they finally do bring in all the previously Fantastic Four members. Yeah. Um, and it's just like this wonderful like little thing where you're like, oh yeah, there's just a lot of history, and it's all like really kind of. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's epic. That was a real cute moment. Cause it's just that splash screen, like that whole one page and it's the four in the front. And then like all the other fantastic four members, like in the back and Rid Richards, it's like, this is my family, my extended family. And you're like, Oh, and I think that that's something that this had to do kind of reintroducing the title because it had been gone for a while and yeah. it was done well. That was just a splash page at the end of the second issue, kind of getting you pumped for the next one. And then we're like right off to the races and the next one, they're all fighting and saving the day. And it would be something that if, if they hadn't done some kind of nod to like the history of the Fantastic Four, it would have been like, hey, why didn't they, you know, take that opportunity? And they did it here in a subtle way. Like, like I said, like, you know, all the hands in calling back to the first, uh, the original issue and this where they're like, they're even making fun of like Iceman being in it and like, yeah, not canon. Like they're, they're uh, like teaching one of the fa- future foundation that. that I thought that was funny that like Iceman is in the fantastic four as is totally going to be shown in the story that we haven't told yet. Right. Now there's also, I think that there, I think that there, I don't know if um, when the thing like pulls Spider-Man away from um, uh, Franklin, if that was like <laughs> Dan Slott being like, no, no, done with Spider-Man. We're all done writing Spider-Man and we're done. Like we're done with this like uncle dynamic, you know, what is Spider-Man going to say? He's yeah. going to say with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Everyone has heard it. Yeah. We don't want to hear it anymore. I, 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 I love Spider-Man and I love stories that also love Spider-Man, but also love taking the piss. Yes. You know, like in Spider-Verse when he's like, don't you dare say the end of that <laughs> quote. Or in Howard the Duck when he falls down and cries over Uncle over Uncle Ben when Howard dies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I also love that there's uh there's two female the things. Uh and Same I don't true. know. Yeah, there are two in that in that mm. thing. Cause they have uh I had to look this up too. They have Sharon Ventura, uh, who is just straight up uh she thing. She's the thing who's wearing that Leotard. And then the other one who's like the thing, but with like a pink haired girl's head, uh, that is, uh, Darla Deering. She's Miss Thing. Those were two different characters. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. I thought, I thought they were the same character the whole time. Nope. When I got to that page, I had to like, I, I just, just went on and looked at who everybody there is. Cause, uh, you know, I think we've seen probably all these characters at some point in our podcast. Except for those two. Yeah. Except for those two. Um, so it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of design differences uh, with some of them. Like Crystal now has short hair, so she probably doesn't have that stupid black line that <laughs> the is on the back of her hair. Only distinguishing characteristic. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't recognize her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Namorita is here too. She's hanging out. 
she's the blonde one. <laughs> yeah. I only knew her because yeah. of the wings on her feet, because she looks completely different every time I see her. Yeah. I, I, I seriously, I guess when I got to that splash page, I kind of glossed over it. Or no, oh, I know what happened. What happened is I saw Herbie, and I got completely distracted. <laughs> well, I mean, was he even fully loaded? Okay. So, um, <laughs> I think on that note, um, also, I do think it's interesting that Jennifer Walters is totally in there, but yeah. she's not hulked out. Well, she just got teleported. Also, it's pretty great that the Hulk is there, but like right now, this is the immortal Hulk who we've already read. Who's yeah. like, you know, creepy and dangerous. So he doesn't want anybody else to know that he's there, but he's still doing the good guy thing because he respects the Fantastic Four so much, you know? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Ant-Man, Emerita, Storm, Black Panther, Powerhouse, Brainstorm. You know what occurs to me? We've never read an Ant-Man comic. Is there a reason for that? <laughs> Not, no. <laughs> it, just, it just has never happened. It's just funny to me. That's all. I think, yeah, yeah could be interesting, but also, yeah, I don't know. I Okay, also, sorry. I'm, I'm kind of... We're we're like really t- t- jumping off of tangents here, um, and I'm just kind of looking at a lot of the pages. I was kind of just say I I love whenever Sue Storm gets like a a like hero moment and she gets to like punch somebody. Yeah, because it feels like ninety percent of the time I see Sue Storm, she's just holding up a shield for somebody, mm-hmm. and it's nice to see her uh, punch somebody every once in a while. Yeah, it's a frustrating aspect of of Sue's character that over history she's been written very damselly, but she is almost inarguably the most powerful member in terms of like what her abilities can do. She's the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. And I don't think she gets a chance to show off that strength very often. No. Uh, which is frustrating because I think there's a lot of potential in her being just a really, really, really good character. And I don't think we've seen the best of her just in the stories that we've read. Yeah. I want to read the story where she... Uh... Runs off with Namor. <laughs> Which one? Because that happens yeah, a couple times, say. apparently. Actually, it's a funny thing. To, <laughs> I just realized I don't think Namor shows up in this. <laughs> I don't think he's ever been officially a member of the Fantastic Four. I think he's technically in the rogues gallery. He's an adjacent, <laughs> an adjacent, a close associate, according to this wiki page that I'm looking through right here. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think Grant Morrison did one of the stories where Sue and Namor really have a thing. And from what I understand, it is not very good, which makes <laughs> me really want to read it. Of oh yeah. I, ever since I joined this podcast, every time I hear like the story's not very good, I'm just like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> we need to I guarantee I've read worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last like 10 titles on our list. Woo. Anything else we want to say about this one? Cause I do want to spend more time talking about the Spider-Man story. I think there's more to say about that. Okay. I was just going to ask if we actually wanted to say something about this book. I mean, we've said stuff kind of, <laughs> stuff. We, we like, we like slots writing. Yeah. We think the art is really good. Ben Grimm's got a good character design. Reed Richard's beard looks real bad. Um, oh, we should, uh, the wedding, the, or the, the proposal I thought was super cute. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And I think that just comes down to how much I like Ben Grimm. Yeah. Like, even again, haven't read a whole lot of Fantastic Four, but what I've read, everything I've read about Ben Grimm makes me like the character. And his kind of default state is to be very, you know, self-effacing, very, uh, very self-deprecating. And to see him actually, like, realize that he has a, a good thing going and, huh. like, try to seize good, it. Good thing. <laughs> <laughs> he is the good thing going. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, anyway, to, to 
see that he's got this real chance for happiness and actually like act on it and be mostly confident doing it. I thought I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Should we uh should we move on to Spider Island? Let's do it. So I I'm going to do the recap, but uh I just wanted you guys to know that I uh professional uh prepared for this. There are a lot of deep dives into <laughs> spider lore on this island. This island is full of who's who in the spider verse. And I just wanted you guys to just take a crack at me. Just anything you can think of, any character that you, you read about, you know, quiz me, just pick a character that you, you ran into that you didn't know anything about previously. And, and, and I'll tell you all about him. Go ahead. Uh, Carpenter, the, the Madam web. Who? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that Julia Carpenter? Who's Madam web? Uh, John Carpenter. Who are we talking? The uh, Madam Web, the one that's in like six of these, like ten issues. <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, boy! Ah. <laughs> I'm gone and put my foot right in my mouth. Oh, oh. Oh goodness! This, I can't I'm tell. So I can't tell if this is a bit or if this is real. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> let me tell you, this is uh, <laughs> this is real embarrassing, fellas. Like, I, I, <laughs> ah. Oh man, I'm wondering now what would have so, happened if I'd said Peter Parker. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have I would have taken umbrage and been indignant while I frantically googled his name (laughs) (laughs) no madam webb julia carpenter arachne um as she was formerly known but she corrects mr fantastic when they meet again in spider island um she now has precognitive power she tells him but she's connected into what is known as let me get the wording just right here the web of life and destiny and uh the web of life and, and destiny is an actual thing It's a three-dimensional construct in five-dimensional space that acts as a model of the entire multiverse and enables travel between realities. And it's in a real, it's a real thing in a real place. And there, there are um, spider deities who uh, maintain it. But I think you mean uh, wait, are they deities or are they spider totems? Totems, totemic spider deities. Sorry. Oh, so yes. So so yes. We are calling the we are calling the same thing by the same name. Um, but yes, um, they derive their spider powers from the web of life and are considered totemic entities. So Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, etc. Um, I like to think that, you know, no matter where we are, no matter what we do, that Spider-Man has to be a part of reality because that's how it works. That's a nice, that's a nice thought. (laughs) And certainly on this podcast, he manages to poke himself in everywhere, you know, so... Yeah, um, that bit played out. That bit played out really good. I'm glad you guys did what you did because, um, you know, <laughs> I didn't know if I was gonna get uh-huh. in trouble or uh, if you guys were gonna react like you did. And I'm real. I'm real grateful. I I am referring to my real actual issues because this is where I jumped back into comics. Is Spider Island? Um, DC had the New Fifty Two going on at the time. Uh, some of those were okay. Uh, we were talking off mic about Batman and uh, Court of Owls. I like that. But that's not what this podcast yeah. is about. Yeah, I mean, it's an ex- it was, I mean, New 52 was an excellent reboot. They didn't. They certainly didn't try to walk that back for the next 10 years. Of course not. <laughs> I oh, bet that'd it, be a fool's I, errand. I bet it helped uh, sales, though, at, at first. Oh, 
my gosh. Actually, can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So I was working at, that's right when I started working at the comic book store. Oh. New 52 launched the month after. And boy, were sales a, 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 such a thing. Like if people were coming in, they're buying the issues, the variants, they were buying like two copies. Oh, because they were convinced that it was, a, you know, a number one was going to mean something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, also because it was like the thing that were like, oh, I wonder they'll, you know, they're going to introduce a new person. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be like this, you know. So it was just like the, a lot of, uh, like hype for it. Uh-huh. And it was bananas. Like I saw people who would walk in every week and like walk out with like twenty issues, and half of them, uh, were duplicates. <laughs> that is wild. Well, this this we're reading uh, it Dan Slot. And uh, main artist Umberto Ramos, which I have my first issue, part one of Spider Island, is signed by him. Uh, oh, nice. Oh. Did not have the deep pockets to get them all signed, but uh, got an art book as a consolation because it was either get them all signed or buy an art book because uh, dude's a pro. And uh, yeah, I have, yeah, I have all those physically. I actually read I read it through the app because um, I was too lazy to dig out the issues, but I also have <laughs> all of them uh, physically. Yeah. Well, before this um, storyline starts, there was a storyline infested where we see the Jackal's plan. He, uh, Miles Warren, a previous uh, villain, uh, had access to uh, Peter Parker's DNA, and so he was able to um, make clones. Now, did he, Jackal... Did he? Yes, he did. Oh no, Ben Riley becomes Jackal as another incarnation. I didn't know if he was responsible for all the cl- all the um, oh, he clones. Was. Okay, he was responsible. Okay, yeah the, yeah, the Jackal was behind the Clone Saga, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I didn't know if that was just like when he was introduced, but yeah, so he's behind the Clone Saga, um, which is uh, referenced here, where you know Mary Jane is like, oh Jesus, this clones or what? I like how Mary Jane is like pissed the whole time that it takes her forever to get spider powers. But oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> that that's a fantastic little story that happens throughout. Yeah. yeah. Is it? I yeah. I we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get okay. to it. So listen, wh- her her side of the story is is fantastic. Yeah, we'll the, get to it. Yeah. So, Spider Island. Uh, at this point, Peter Parker is dating Carly Cooper, who is a cop. She develops spider powers in this infested story arc. And he's like, oh, blown away and kind of put in his place when she immediately tells him that she has a spider powers and doesn't keep it a secret. And, you know, says that it's important to share these kind of things. And he's like, ooh, hey, ooh, uh. yeah. hey if, uh, if Carly's a cop and she becomes a spider person, does that technically make her a spider pig? hey <laughs> Is that, is that is that not socially acceptable anymore? We're not allowed to call them pigs. No, no, you can fashion? you can absolutely call them pigs. I'm <laughs> okay. just trying to work out how to how to make a John Mulaney joke in here. <laughs> so Spider Man and John Mulaney uh, go off <laughs> swinging together. No, so the ja- <laughs> the jackal has released this spider flu, and people are getting spider powers. Like I think the the it gets up to a million people. J. Jonah Jameson says at one point. And so and it's transmitted through bed bugs. Yeah. It's everywhere. And it, you know, it's it's New York, it's Manhattan. Um, so they're uh yeah. At this point, um Peter's working for Horizon Labs. He gets to do science. He um <laughs> which I like. I like that you know he's doing that, that that's his that's his thing in these I like I like your description for his job. 
He gets to do science. Well, man, I don't know what he does. He does I, science. No, it's fine. It's, he gets to engineer <laughs> new devices for Spider-Man. Well, yeah, I mean, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, don't worry. He just swung out of here. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't just science. He engineers. <sighs> <laughs> Didn't know you wanted to do this recap, too. I mean, go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing science great. <laughs> He's doing all the science. Um, good he, science job. Good, good science. So Carly gets powers. Um, Jackal is giving Spider-Man suits to villains. Not to villains, but to like crooks, criminals. Like, you know, real people who now are super powered. And he's like, go nuts. The Avengers show up to beat him up. Peter Parker gets there and, and gets punched several times by the Avengers. <laughs> trying to like clear his name. And then finally... Um, He's recognized for who he really is. Wolverine sniffs him out. And he's like, no, no, wait, that's him. That's our guy. And so um, they tell him to get lost because they got to they gotta fight. You know, they don't want to pull their punches. Horizon Labs is the name of the place where Peter does his science oh so well. <laughs> and um, they actually have something uh, running that is uh, messing up Peter's spider sense. So he is without his spider sense, but he's been training with Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu, and learning how to do. Hey, we tried to read a book about him. Yeah, <laughs> how'd that go? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of things that happen with a lot of different characters. Um, I did um, research them. The henchmen that are going through this. Uh, there's Tarantula, who is Kane. Uh, one of the uh, Parker clones, the first one, and he's this mutated spider. And then the Spider King, who is, we find out, uh, Captain America. And the villain behind all of this is uh, the Spider Queen, Adriana Soria, who appears in uh, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man Volume 2, Issue 15, uh, as a villain who um, can control people um, with any semblance of insect DNA in them, which uh, turns out are a lot of people according to the comic and is taken out by, um, uh, Captain America and uh, Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And so she comes back with a vengeance and, um, is working with, um, uh, Jackal to create all these, you know, spider drones and they all people who are infected while initially they have spider powers and they're having a good time swinging all over the place. They, um, turn into monstrous spiders while this is going on. J Jonah Jameson is like, you know, like, I, I don't even know like how to express how like <laughs> furiously proud he is. I don't know. Cause he's like, I, I, I'm telling you, I told you for years, this is why I was put on this earth. He's just so convinced. Cause he's the mayor at this point, not just the newspaper editor, but he is, you know, never liked Spider-Man and he's furious. And then he gets spider powers. And then is uh, one of the first that we see uh, he and Carly to mutate into a monster spider. Um, right. As he has recruited Alistair Smythe, the spider slayer an old uh, Spider-Man villain to take out the spider, the spider, um, people throughout the, he, he gets pissed at him because he, um, killed his wife previously. And so he bites him. And I, I don't know if he actually dies in this moment. Um, I think he, he is sentenced to death later. Um, and he does die, but that's what during spec or, uh, superior Spider-Man. So we'll talk about that later. Um, while this is going on anti-venom Eddie Brock is running around. Anti-venom is venom. It's the same. He's another symbiote, uh, but he's 
um, able to cure different ailments and illnesses, and uh, the, he's curing this this Spider-Man problem, and um, it's the self-proclaimed savior of everyone. And uh, they sent in uh, uh, like a Black Ops mission, Agent Venom, who is Flash Thompson, with the original symbiote, but he um, had been like wounded in combat and doesn't have his legs, and so he's kind of more reliant on the symbiote. And uh, they fight. Um, and Flash almost loses the symbiote, but he gets him back. And so um, the anti-venom is able to team up, team up with Mr. Fantastic to develop a cure for it. And Spider-Man and Kane, I'm jumping all around here, but it's it's crazy all the stuff that happens in, the, in these books. Spider-Man and Kane um, are fighting in a vat of it, and um, Kane's about to destroy it, and Spider-Man... Um, gets his spider sense back in time to, to save it and dumps Kane in the cure and he's all right again and they team up to go take out uh, the Spider Queen who at this point um, has defeated Agent Venom and uh, Mr. Uh, Captain America. Boy, there's a lot that's going on. Um, I'm trying to think if I've missed anything. Yeah. They, they. I mean, you don't, you don't even you don't even go in depth to uh, talking about how Flash Thompson can is only allowed to wear the suit for like certain for like certain yeah, lengths of like time. Yeah. For certain certain missions, because they know they know that yeah. what the symbiote can do. Yeah. Well, that's like you know his his deal. But as it relates yeah. to Spider Island, like he's suited up and and doing his thing. But um, they uh, Peter figures out. Um, he's not he's not able to, to defeat the spider queen because he, he's being compromised but he figures out how um, with Mary Jane Mary Jane saves him because she says she owes him one tiger or whatever she however she says it but um, he's able to use the little spider drones um, some of dr ox uh, doc uh, is it are they doc ox tech or is it um, spider tech that he has or both it's 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 both. It's stock octet that he repurposed. For so he tech. repurposes these little drones to be filled with the cure. The um, they drank up the big bat of anti venom, and then they go around curing everybody, and that that makes um, Madame Webb's power um, be weakened because she has less people to draw from. I really wanted to throw in a, uh, a Friday I'm in love reference there when you said he f- he fills those with with the cure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't interject fast enough. Oh, so this sorry, is, I should pause. This to, is it <laughs> to, to give riffs more. Time. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Keep going. But There's a lot. They're able to save the day. People are cured, which like this is like a lot of people affected, and you're like, holy cow! Like that's pretty terrible. If like you know, like people died because of this, but um, uh, everyone wakes up healed and naked all over town. And that's that's my favorite way to wake up. Yeah, healed and naked. <laughs> <laughs> I I also so I know a long time ago Steven and I had a conversation about superhero spandex suits and it was, the conversation went something along the lines of like how the reason they're skin tight is like this it's just it's easier to draw human anatomy when you don't have to think about that so everybody's essentially naked all the time is so, some some weird I don't know if you remember that conversation I vaguely Steven. remember this conversation yeah anyways so the fact that like all the heroes wake up naked and they're just like super used to it uh, <laughs> yeah. was something I thought was a little funny. Too. Well, like some of the costumes, like especially the, the female heroes' costumes, it's like all but there anyway because of comics, and we're we're hopefully getting out of that phase, but probably not. No. <laughs> Ms. Marvel's you know decently dressed, but she's also a yeah, kid, she's a- so. Yeah, she's a teenager. Um, I really liked this. Um, I love Umberto Ramos's art. Um, the last issue is actually what's 
Caselli's first name. Now I gotta, I'm gonna go through Stefano. Here. Stefano Caselli. Yeah, um, I like the uh, you know uh, we get the the Empire State Building lit up like Spider Man. Um, this uh, you know we see that you know Carly breaks up with Peter. You know anything to keep Peter Parker is like you know not not a sad sack. That's not accurate. Just like a you know down on his luck schlub. You know he has a good thing going with like a great girlfriend and um, you know cool job and everything. And now he's like oh he's on the outs with his girlfriend. And that's rough. And she ends up like teaming up with the Black Cat, I think, or she becomes she becomes a version of a villain. Now I gotta look it up. Dang it, I do have it in front of me here. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I, I mean, that's beyond the scope of this story anyway. Though, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I just, just for flavor, um, she... Uh, I think you have enough sauce in this already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, then, what what'd you guys think of Spider-Man? It's okay. That's good. This is actually one of my favorite arcs. Um, like I Green said, Goblin. Like, I She's was... monster. Monster. Green Goblin. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just throwing a little bit of cumin in there. Oh. <laughs> paprika come on yeah <laughs> peter paprika um anyways <laughs> so what i <laughs> i don't know we're does whatever paprika can makes the spice very nice <laughs> shake it out of a spicing can it's P- peter paprika man although you have a point <laughs> yes I can't remember what that point was. I'm just going to say the covers are pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> favorites. This is one of your favorite Spider-Man arcs. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite Spider-Man arcs. Uh, a couple things. It's written by Dan Slott, whose who's book we just read on the, yep. on the Fantastic Four. Um, primarily, the art is done by uh, uh, something Ramos. What's his first name? Umberto, thank you. Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. And Ed- Edgar Delgado is hand for me for what it's for what my money's worth. Edgar Delgado is probably one of my favorite colorists in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um he's one of the first, I'm not gonna say the first, but he's one of the first um whose coloring I recognize. I used to have like a bunch of posters um of him and Ramos's art. Chef hands. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I actually really love the covers. Uh, they're really well done, uh, with the exception of like I don't know, maybe two of them that I'm not fond of. But uh, also, one of my favorite arcs. I uh, so here's here's a thing. I'm not a New Yorker. I've never been to New York. But if there's one thing that I envy about like New Yorkers, it's that New York pride. Um, I, th- I think it's one of those things that helps make the Raimi movie. Uh, like as good as it is, is that little bit at the end with the New Yorkers uh, gang up on the Green Goblin? You mess with all of us, yeah. No, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it's the most obnoxious line reading of all time. But go on. Hey, we do not <laughs> care. <laughs> it's so so. It's genuinely like there's a thing about New York pride that like I kind of envy because I don't have it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the same way that I have a little bit of envy of like super religious people because I just don't have a thing I care about that much. Um, like I don't, I don't pray to anime at night. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, to popular uh, belief, I don't. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a shrine but, uh, in my room, but you know. it's really just it's really just it. incense in front of some figurines. I just I just sacrifice a goat every other month or so. It's fine, but it's not a big um, deal. <laughs> you know how cheap goats are. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyway, so like, there's this great thing about Spider Island being like like this this new york thing and there's it plays on a lot 
in the book, right? Like there's this whole thing about New Yorkers being rowdy. So like as soon as a bunch of them get spider powers, they're just like, you know, screw everybody else. I'm going to go have fun. Yeah. But then like the way they rally them together to fight, uh, to, to prevent the riots is they're like, all right, New Yorkers, let's do this. And then you have like just splash screens of like a bunch of New Yorkers being like, I'm going to be late to work for this. Or like, I have to be done with this quick. Cause I have to like pay the babysitter. <laughs> yeah. That sequence is really good. Yeah. There's like really fantastic things about, uh, New York Spider-Man. Like that's such a thing that is, I think integral to his character as being a New Yorker. That is a shame. And it, that like, <laughs> like we don't have some like I'm from Indiana and it's you know Jim Gaffigan said I'm we're from Indiana and we're gonna move like that's just like, <laughs> the, the yeah. Hoosier Hoosier pride is is like if it's not basketball season it's it's a little it's not quite it's not quite the same yeah so so there's just like that thing about like when the few times I've read Spider Man books were like New York plays in as almost a character not just the setting um it's kind of special to me. Cause it's like this thing where it's like, man, I sure wish I, I had something like that. Um, that's also why I love like the cover of like the, uh, the statue of Liberty with the Spider-Man face. Yeah. Paint yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I say this a lot, but I think superheroes work best. Um, superheroes work best when they inspire good in other people, when that's kind of like the point. Cause I, I think otherwise they get very, for lack of a better word, they get very fashy. You know, they get very fascist. It's like, yeah. we win because I'm stronger than you. Huh. But, at, you know, at their best, it's like, we win because we are together. And we together, like, it's our unity. It's our it's our fellowship. It's our uh, finding strength in each other that, that saves the day. And I think the, the whole Spider-Man as the best diehard New Yorker really plays into that it's it's great stuff yeah also mary jane doesn't get her spider powers because she's been uh doing the spider dance with spider-man okay. for too long okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is i hate it <laughs> i hate it <laughs> yeah you said you were gonna get into it go for it all right so freaking Uh-huh. This is supposed to be just like, you know, it's it's fun Spider-Man story, you know. I don't want to think about <laughs> their, like, nasty sex life. I just don't. <laughs> I don't want this. I'm pretty sure it's pretty vanilla. I mean. Here's here's the, well. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, pre, pre, pre-revealing Spider-Man identity, probably vanilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you can hang from the ceiling, that is a lot of possibilities. You would. Up. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. So there's a story called <laughs> Spider-Man Rain. I don't know if you all have heard of it. I've, I know exactly where this is going. I, I don't know where it's. I've heard of, I've heard of like the name, but I don't know anything about it. It, it's somebody tried to do The Dark Knight Returns, but with Spider-Man. And so it's, it's like really horrible future, grim, dark, like Eddie Brock is dead, but the Venom symbiote is still alive. So it's just like dragging his body around. No, wait, that's the Dr. Octopus arms. Dr. Octopus is dead, but his arms are still functioning. So the arms are carrying Dr. Octopus around in a corpse. It's like, it's a bad story. It's been years since I've read it, 
Um, the the big moment of that story that everybody remembers, though, is that Peter Parker shows up at Mary Jane's grave and he's like cradling her body. And he's so sad because uh, she died because she got cancer and she got cancer because of his radioactive spider semen. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's so it's bad. bad. It's and so this, bad. Uh, I like, I don't ever want to be reminded of that ever. So I know it's, it's obviously this is executed much better because it's played in sort of a tongue in cheek. Oh, the, we can't really get into this because we don't want to spoil Peter Parker's secret identity, but you know why you've had more exposure to this than everyone else. Like I get it. It's better. I still don't want to think about it. Well, how else, I mean, how else do you say, uh, how else do you explain why, like, other than, like, you know, plot reasons, like, teasing that and leaving it till the very end, like, that, you know, finally we get to see, you know, not just J. Jonah Jameson, but Mary Jane have spider power, you know, like, how do you Mr. leave it till Slott, that it long? it was your idea, this was your plot idea, you made this, like, you could make it different so that well, it what should he what should he have done what i don't know make mary jane not be there and then she like sneaks in later because she wants to help because she knows what it's like and i don't know like you can do this differently i forget how repressed steven gets yeah <laughs> it's icky so i don't want it uh. i don't want to think about spider cooties <laughs> uh um that's that's yeah, that's a fair point that's cute that's a fair point though <laughs> no, they took they took Mary or they took Aunt May out of the equation because I'm sure in the years of Spider-Man that Aunt May has been like has gotten spider powers and it's just been goofy, so they didn't even bother with that one. Oh, sure, it's goofy when Aunt May gets spider powers. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to when the rest of New York gets spider powers. Yeah. it's fine. We then. have no connection yeah. to those people, but Aunt May is there. You know, Aunt May. Yeah, it's not like she was just previously shot. You know, less than fifty issues earlier than this, oh, and died. <laughs> Should have died. <laughs> Should have stayed died. Satan <laughs> save my marriage. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a lot that's going on in this book. Uh, there's a couple of things that are like really impressive. Uh, I really am. I don't know. They, they explain it like they get like overly technical about it, which I hate when comic books do because you already have a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Like there's a Spider-Man swinging around the city. Yeah. I don't need to know the technicalities of how he's like mind controlling like a, a, a million spider drones. Um, but the fact that they got into it just to kind of really drive the nail on how impressive that is, I actually really dig that, really dig that moment. And I don't, I think a, a lot of the stuff that gets talked about in this book, I think nobody acknowledges uh, how cool that is that he like mind controlled like a million drones all over the city to do multiple different things. Yeah. Because he's Peter Parker, and at the end of the day, it's Peter Parker who has to save the day, not Spider-Man. Yeah. Now, I, I don't recall, because um, it's been a while since I was really reading a lot of the comics journalism, but if I remember correctly, Spider-Island was intended to, like... It was, a, it was a fill-in. Like, they weren't able to pull the trigger on the big story arc that Slot wanted to do quite yet. They needed something to fill the time. And he's just like, oh, well, let's just do this dumb story where everybody in New York gets spider powers. You know, the the scope of the story, that I think there's a lot of crossovers with it. I don't remember... I'm looking at the wiki. I actually don't see that many crossovers with it. Um, I don't there's know. There's like about 30 
total, but it's like a lot of spider titles. What I was going to get to is, uh, well, at least on the wiki, like typically shows me like the other like tie-in issues or whatever, and it's not showing me this time. No, it's in, but, the, it's in the back of every issue. It shows you your check. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that I don't know that I believe that it was necessarily a, uh, a fill-in. It feels a little bit more planned. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, it definitely does. That's, yeah. that, There's that's, more to it than like Ends of the Earth, which comes up later. Ends of the Earth does feel pretty, like, not thrown together, but pretty not. It feels like they're trying to make it epic, but it's too small of a yeah. story. Yeah. The scope of the story is big, but the story itself is not. Right. That makes sense. Right. Also, I love the Spider Man No More nod. Yeah. Where everybody throws away the spider suits. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty good. How many Deadpools did they create on accident that day? Like, all those spare outfits just being lying around. <laughs> Goodness. Um, and, like, so what I wanted to say, um, Doctor Who, I have fallen off the show. I haven't watched it in years, but I always loved the stories where, like, the Doctor gets to save everybody. You know, people don't die on his watch. He's actually able to save people. Because so often... In, in Doctor Who, the, the side characters, the people that are just kind of around, they die. And, like, it kind of hangs a, uh, like, it hangs a lampshade on the fact that uh, the Doctor is actually a bad hero. He does not do a very good job of saving people. And, in fact, his, his actions frequently lead to people dying rather than him saving them. But, like, so those moments when he actually gets to save people, they're really great. And I love the whole Spider-Man nobody dies thing. Uh... Not to not to call out John for missing Spider-Man details, but the reason Spider-Man doesn't have his spider sense is because he lost it when, during the Spider-Slayer's invasion, which was the thing that killed uh, J. Jonah Jameson's wife. That was a that was a bit, Stephen. I was uh, <clears throat> I'm a professional. That was. That was. <laughs> um, but I, I bring that up specifically because Spider-Man feels so beaten up over the fact that he let somebody else die. And you think this is going to turn into just another one of those long, sort of mopey rants that uh, ends with Spider-Man saying, you know, everybody that my life touches winds up suffering, so I'm just going to hang up being Spider-Man. But it ends with him saying, no, you know what? I can do better. And from here on out, nobody dies. Oh, yeah. this. Yeah, you know that story, Aldo. Yeah, I was, I, well, I was going to say like, this is this is where that kicks in because there's a lot of a lot of stories after this where like that becomes a thing. Yeah, um, and, that, and was it, a, that was a big turning point for this particular run of Spider-Man. It's one of the only aspects of this run of Spider-Man that I've read. Like, I still haven't read much of uh, Superior. I haven't read Ends of the Earth. This was my first time reading Spider-Island. But I read some of the stuff before, and I read that. And that story got me. Because I love yeah. that sort of, like, recommitment to, I am here to save people. And even if I, like, I failed... But that just means that I learned from it, and I don't fail next time. I love that, and I love that that gets a shout out in the story too. There's a there's a really um, decent. I don't want to say really good because I I remember it being okay, but it's probably not. Um, <laughs> there's there's a really decent crossover between uh, Spider Man, The Punisher, and Daredevil. Uh, well, they have to go do a mission together, and they keep constantly butting heads because The Punisher is like. All right, here's the plan. I'm gonna drop through the through the ceiling and I'm gonna kill everybody in the room. And Spider-Man's like, "Hey, what part of when I'm here nobody dies? Do you not understand?" And Daredevil's like, "Maybe a couple people die." <laughs> <laughs> Trying try to be like the mediary. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, so, so that that's a thing, and I think that's essentially kind of become a pretty big part of his character since this. 
coming out is there's been a lot of stories and a lot of times when Spider-Man has said that nobody will die when he's around. And he does he does his damnedest to make sure nobody dies, even the even the bad people. Yeah, it's great. I love it. That's what that's what superheroes should do. They should set ridiculous, unattainable goals and then do them, you know? Okay, but maybe like psychotic mass murdering jerk holes should probably die. I d- yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we get to the Joker issue here. <laughs> Let's not have that debate tonight. <laughs> Maybe the Joker should die sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> no one bus one busload of children is all right, but two. Oh. <laughs> now, now, you, now you cross the line. We murder, don't know where it was, one, but you crossed it. Murder a busload of children on me once. <laughs> Shame on me. Plus the goblin, I'm gonna let you kill more girlfriends. Two girlfriends. That's the line. Not to, <laughs> not to get too much off topic here, but I, like I actually, I, I feel very, 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 very strongly about this, and so I'm gonna uh-huh. make it a thing. Okay. Um, in. At work, they pay me to read. Like, we have a book club that I get to, like, read the books while I'm on the clock. And they're, like, leadership books, like, how to be a better leader. The book that we're reading right now is uh, from a man named Simon Sinek. He's done a TED Talk. You've probably heard it if you have ever watched a TED Talk. Um, This book is called The Infinite Game. And it's all about how businesses need to learn to survive by having, like, goals that are basically unachievable. He calls this the just cause. It needs to be aspirational, it needs to be inspiring, and it needs to be selfless. And, like, I I consider myself nowadays to be a capitalist skeptic. I'm not a socialist, per se, but I definitely struggle with seeing capitalism as the best possible financial system because of how many people wind up getting hurt through it. Simon Sinek is like, his book's like almost thou persuadest me to be a capitalist because he paints this beautiful picture of how like when the purpose of business is actually to serve the customer and when they are committed to these higher ideals, everybody is elevated by that. And it's an, it's, it's uh, like, it's an ideal that is unattainable, but the fact that it's unattainable, but you still work towards it is where the inspiration comes in. And I feel like this just cause aspect of the infinite game actually holds true with superheroes too. Like the best superheroes are the ones who have the unattainable cause and the fact that it's unrealistic shouldn't actually matter. It's that cause and it's that belief that separates them and makes them special. And so why does Spider-Man try to save everyone, even the people who maybe deserve to die? Because to do otherwise would make him not Spider-Man. I feel very, 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 very strongly about this. And now admittedly, like, We've seen the stories where the heroes are saving the villains who have killed people many, many times. Maybe as the the person who's creating this completely fictional story that you have complete control over, don't tell that story anymore. We're tired of it. But, like, if you were going to tell the story, that is the correct way to tell it. As much as there can be a correct way to tell fiction. I mean, obviously, that that's opening a whole nother can of worms. But I, I don't know. I, I love that aspect of superheroes where they're just like, I don't kill people, not because it's like, not because of any like flimsy justification. It's just, I don't do it. That is not who I am. That is, I cannot let myself be that. I think that's great. You know what Spider-Man wouldn't have killed? Uh, would have been the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs>
shriveled. <laughs> I've I've known Aldo for almost what six years, give or take, and this is my favorite thing you've ever said. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's, we're not topping that. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, is it time for ranking? Yes. <laughs> Nothing more can be said. Oh, goodness. Um, I feel like I have more to say about Spider Island, but I don't want to anymore. That's so good. No, I mean, Spider Island is good. Read it. Yeah. That was uh, great art, great jokes, great, yeah, uh, great, great jokes. Good, good writing. Oh, great it's, writing. it's so Spidey. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the ranking. I, 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 I think we should. I think that is the right thing to do at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, so we currently have 85 stories on our list. Number one is Ms. Marvel No Normal. Number 85 is The Evil That Men Do. That, oh gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> Time to, like, good, good Spider-Man to balance out the bad Spider-Man. But first, let's start with, uh... Fantastic Four. Uh, what's this story called? I think we called it Forever. Is the name forever of the trade? With F-O-U-R. Yeah. Forever. Where does Forever go on this list? Uh, um, Nineteen. Nineteen. Holy cow, that's high. You know, I, 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 I would, I would say twenty-five. Is my thing. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm mixed up. This is. I don't think it goes up that high there's a lot of books i would rather read you know what it is it's i i i, I like to shoot out a, a, a number at least to like get us in the ballpark of where you know i'd like it to be because you know yeah if you if you come in late then you you get downvoted and that's why <laughs> that's why hawkeye is not number one <laughs> no i think it it's difficult because put, there's a lot of potential there it's dan slot it's sarah pacelli it's it's like this is going to be great and it's fantastic four and they're bringing it back and yeah and you want to rate it high because of that but uh, you know it's pretty it, it's like there's not a whole lot that happens like i mean well they're like creating entire universes but like it's only three issues and so to compare it to some of these other ones is tricky i look at like my main thing is readability like rereadability i would want to reread this um, less than Karnak. So I guess it'd be really 20, bump down if magic became Sorcerer Supreme, down one. I would reread Karnak, I think, before I read this one again. See, see, my and, and my problem with this book is that there's it's it's really kind of nostalgic. It's really kind of like nostalgia-based. It's, it's a bit of a celebration, which isn't wrong, because Spider-Man is still one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean that's that's a twenty something, so you know whatever. Nobody's bitter about that. Um, but <laughs> but I think part of my problem with Fantastic Four, apart from the, I think I think it's how short it is kind of plays against it because we're talking about, and it's granted it's not the point of the book, but we're talking about you know them creating universes and these universes being destroyed, and it the book it doesn't feel epic it doesn't feel like there's a lot at stake um it doesn't have like that sense of of like oh we're in real danger and like i don't know maybe i just i just didn't get that sense which is kind of why i'm like a little less than impressed with it even though it's still a good book good art good read um but like that that's kind of my thing with it is it doesn't ever really feel like as Wow, as it sh- as it should be. I don't. I don't know. I couldn't think of a word, so I just made the sound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know 
what's funnier that you did that or I know exactly what you mean? <laughs> it's like, well, he communicated it and I understood it. So the, uh, why use words? Because <laughs> <laughs> words are awesome and that's what they're for. It's an epic plot, English but it lacks the epic feeling. It doesn't yes. make you feel awe. Yes. Yeah. And as, and as such, if you don't, if this is the first book that you're picking up um, and you don't understand that like the Fantastic Four has not been on the shelves for like two or three years, and it's the first time since they came out that they haven't had a book on shelves for fifty years. I think the kind of celebration of it falls a little flat. That's the reason, like that, I don't want to rank it that high because if you have not read Fantastic Four, if you are not already connected to these characters, this book does nothing hmm. for you. I I'd, I'd say the bare minimum required reading for this is probably secret wars which is good Mm -hmm. like that's what number on our list secret wars is number three you should read secret wars it's good so for me like honestly it is still a good story though because it's like it's dan slot dan slot's good yeah yeah and the art is good and like it's fun it's got funny moments and you may not be familiar with the fantastic four but you're probably familiar with marvel At this point, it's kind of hard to say you're not. So I do think it goes, like, I'm leaning towards somewhere in the range of, like, 32 to 35, honestly. Oh, wow. It goes in the, the, like, above the Star Wars manga. So it's in the, like, you should probably read this comic section. (laughs) But I don't think it goes much higher than that. Because, again, like, if you're not a Fantastic Four fan, this isn't going to convert you. See, and I and I think it I think it belongs up like a twenty five, like above Wolverine and below Gifted. I think a lot of these books are really good entry books, and it's, and you know for the complaints I have about how Fantastic Four the book feels, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad starting point. It's not great. There's probably better's. If you have no previous experience, it's not great. I think if you yeah. do, then it's it's like a ah, we're back in the saddle again. Here we go. It. It's 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 a lot better of an entry point than Thunder in Her Veins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I thought, yeah. Uh, hmm, interesting. I would have put Thunder in Her Veins definitely higher. I think you tried to, and we shot that down. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> but I've also read a lot of the Simonson Thor, so I That's like, fair. it's hard for me to be impartial when I already have a lot of the background that I think was necessary for Thunder in Her Veins. Um. But I feel like, at the same time, I've read a fair bit of Fantastic Four. Again, not that much, but I've read, like, the... the I've read the Mark Wade, uh Mike Warigno run, which is awesome and just, like, brilliant. And I think part of my resistance to this at the end of the day is the fact that I don't like Reed Richards. <laughs> like, right. it's, it's Reed that I don't like. The only good Reed Richards story that I've ever read is Secret Wars. Yeah. And part of the reason that book ranks so high for me is because how it makes me actually like Reed. Yep. Um, uh, so I say we compromise and we put yeah, it twenty five. It sounds like I'm getting outvoted. It goes higher than I want to put it, so that's fine. Yep. How would you feel about twenty five, there, uh, John? Above Wolverine? Now let's not let's hold up. <laughs> Listen, that was that was more rhetorical. <laughs> I like it better than what if magic became sorcerer. How did what if magic became sorcerer supreme get above Wolverine? Because it's oh, really it's good. good. And it's not racist. Oh, right. Racism. Ah, dang racism. (laughs) (laughs) That old bugbear racism. (laughs) All right, all right. Um, It wound up higher because Aldo and I outvoted you. That's a friggin' democracy. (laughs) 
go. Uh, All right, I'm just gonna say 25. <laughs> fine. <laughs> down with down with racism. Up with democracy. It, well, it ends up below gifted, and I think gifted is inarguably a better starting point for X Men. So I like I can get behind this ranking. I mean, even if it does have Cat Beast. Ugh, Cat. I like Cat Beast. I do, it's too. It's because you like Grant Morrison X-Men. It's because you're wrong. Nope, nope. Grant Morrison X-Men's actually pretty great. All right, well, you can sell us on that on another day, but right now we're going to talk about where Spider Island ranks, and it better be above 25. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly above 25. Okay, we're, what, what, what do we have um, above that Spider-Man stories? What are the Spider-Man stories we have above that? Um, Spider-Man. <laughs> with an exclamation point. If you want to count... Secret Wars kind of has a bit of a Spider-Man in it. I mean, has two Spider-Man in it. Infinity Gauntlet. Miles Morales is one of the best moments in that book. Yep. Uh, yes, if this he, be my destiny. In Pursuit of Flight, he's briefly in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing: Spider Island is really good. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if it's top ten good. Oh, I don't know. I just saw Last Hand, and I'm like, actually, it might be better than that. I, you know. I was I was gonna say it's Ooh. it's better than Marvels, and I don't want to go that far to say it's better than Last Hand. It, it might be better than Last Hand, but I'm tempted. Yeah, it's it's there is stuff about Spider Island that I don't love, but at the end of the day, it's like I don't love the decisions that Peter makes with regards to Carly. Yeah, but you're not supposed to because Peter's being a dummy. Exactly. It's it's, exactly. it's almost like there's consequences I know. that he has to deal with. I know, and, and it's it's yeah. funny because with Spider-Man so often it's like, oh, woe is me, life is so hard to me. And in this one it's like, no, you're suffering consequences because you're a dummy and you did a dumb thing and you're paying for your dumb decisions, you dummy. I like that we get this this kind of big, big screw-up, you know, where he's ruined this great relationship with an intriguing character that's, you know, not the same old Mary Jane. No offense to Mary Jane. Um, well, and it's I, not just... That, that's Yeah. And it's not just that, oh, Steve, or, you know, he's uh, he's late to everything, you know, because he's, he's trying to save the whole world and he ends up looking like, oh, I forgot the milk again, Aunt May, dang it. This is, I blew this relationship with a police detective that could have gone really, you know, somewhere and, yeah, it's because of my own stupid mistake. I think the only thing that really kind of detracts in this book, and it's probably the same thing that detracts in, like, Secret Wars, um, and maybe even, like, oh, not if on it, I think... I think Secret Wars shares this problem is the fact that there's a lot of lead up to this. Yeah. Um, and if and if you're like a fresh Spider, if you're a fresh Spider-Man fan, like even if you've watched the cartoons, the movies, um, read maybe a couple comics, there's a lot of stuff going on here with like the, the totemic spider deities. Yeah, like uh, Madam Web maybe. pops up and you're like, hold up, who? Because there's not why even is- a hint of anything like her. <laughs> And and I mean, even if you know who Madame Web is, you're like, why is Madame Web sexy now? I'm confused. <laughs> um, I'll admit, I had that reaction. I know what Madame Web from the '90s cartoon. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's there's that stuff. There's well, I mean, the they stuff. did it to Aunt May in the movies, so anything's yeah. possible. Um, there, I mean, there's that. There's the whole stuff with uh, you know Flash Thompson and anti Venom. Yeah. There's a whole thing with with the 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 spider queen with jameson Um, and his wife and we didn't mention we didn't mention it all but like captain america is like a 90 percent of this book and you don't even know yeah right yeah (laughs) so but here's the thing though so like secret wars yeah there's a lot of build-up to it Mm -hmm. i had never read any of that build-up as a matter of fact the concept of the build-up put me off those books yeah and but i still read secret wars and i enjoyed it 
But contrast that with Spider Island, where not only did I not read the build-up, I didn't know the build-up. Like, I kind of had been reading comics news, so I kind of knew what was going on in all the Avengers books prior to Secret Wars. So there's a part of me that's like, I see your point, and but I never read it, but maybe I had this insight, so whatever. With Spider Island, I didn't have that. I still enjoyed the book. I don't know how much of that build-up is actually necessary. Yeah, well, that's, that's the next part I was going to get to, is the fact that the book itself is fairly self-contained. Uh, there's only a few minor spinoffs. You don't feel like you need any of the spinoffs. And they do a really a, a fairly good job at giving you enough exposition on the characters as they're introduced. The one thing, the one thing that's like, why couldn't you put this in the main story? Because it feels like you carved it out specifically to sell a spinoff book is the Captain America reveal. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, though, is there. Yeah. And the spinoffs are just like, oh, I bet that would add flavor. Yeah, like you can still read the self-contained story and have the self-contained story. I think while you may not know the specifics of all who the, who all the characters are, the emotional beats still work, no matter how familiar or unfamiliar. You know, like him having that moment where he's like realizing he can save everybody with the uh, the, the spider bots and everything like that. His reveal on camera to everyone, where he gets to like be out as Spider-Man, was really cool. Um, you know, Mary Jane and J. Jonah Jameson. Like, if you're not, if you're only like a cursory familiarity with Spider Man, you still get that, you know, big moment of like. Um, it occurs to me you probably, you probably do need to know who Kane is. Uh, yeah. Not, I think a they little, do a but pretty like, good job at explaining yeah, they, it. They, yeah, you get it in, in context. You get like just enough. Yeah. Speaking of hearkening back to mediocre slash bad Spider Man right. stories. That's the, I think that's probably the biggest miracle of Spider-Man is that it's able to harken back to the Clone Saga so many times and it never sucks quite as bad as the Clone Saga did. I, I think that it's just like we can use we can use the good of it, the fact that there were clones to do something interesting with it later on. But during that, I don't know. I had a Ben Riley issue that wasn't bad. He fought uh, he fought Sandman and it was kind of cool. The art was good. Yeah. Um. Actually, now that we've talked a little bit more on it, I am probably a little bit more inclined to throw it up. Above Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> I know Steven really likes Infinity Gauntlet. I really like Infinity Gauntlet. Aldo, it's like his childhood love. Like, he had the cards, he loved Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, definitely throw it above Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, I don't know that I have a good argument against it. I think I like Infinity Gauntlet. Um, I think it's it's relevant in light of the entire Avengers movie saga. I yeah. think it does the Thanos story better than the movies do. Um, I think the ending is is a bit more satisfying, frankly, than Infinity. Oh, I don't. I don't like how they like work. team up with him to save the day in the end, and in you know, like I like the you know Nebula becoming bad kind of thing, but I don't like how it's like. Yeah. Well, now you have to help us, you know. I I, I I was joking about that really because I think that it quite it hasn't quite earned as far as like comics history. It hasn't quite earned the same things that. The other, the other, like Parable or or uh, Infinity Gauntlet or you know Death of Electra have, like we do have some like no normal like that that feels like it'll be you know like a a tent pole. Um, I I I'm pretty inclined to agree with you on that point, but also anytime you see a list of like top ten Spider Man books, like Spider Island is always on those lists, like yeah. near the top top three. Mm-hmm. So that would be my only counter. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think. At the end of the day, I think Spider Island is probably more new reader friendly. It's more fun. Yeah. It's more fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought Infinity Gauntlet was just tons of fun. Um, but <laughs> it's a very weirdly specific type of fun that appealed to... Like, it appeals to the the side of me that really likes weird, self-contained, 
tours of an entire comic book universe. Like, one of my favorite DC Comics books is the original Books of Magic miniseries, where they take Harry Potter on a tour of all of the magical characters of the DC universe. And it's fun and completely, like, forgettable at the end of the day, but I love it, and apparently not that forgettable because it keeps having spin-off books. But regardless, it's like, that's what Infinity Gauntlet does for me, but I acknowledge that that's kind of a niche taste. Yeah. So, I like, I don't want to rank Spider Island higher than Infinity Gauntlet, but I don't know that I really have a good argument because it is more fun, it is more accessible, it has higher emotional highs, um... It has some weird, like, publishing issues. Again, the the whole thing where we don't understand that the, the Spider King was Steve Rogers. But that's not the what the book's about, so that almost doesn't matter. It definitely goes above above the death of Electra. Okay. It definitely goes at the lowest at number 10. I, I That's kind of where I want to put it. Aldo, what do you think? Because I'm, I'm fine with 10 or 11. Ah, uh, 10 or 11. I mean, in that yeah. case, 10. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you meant 10 or 9, and then in that case. Uh, <laughs> but I guess in this Venn diagram of I don't get mine, uh, 10. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, we're all going to like come up with a good book that we all agree on, on a certain number, not just like a meh book where we're like, 30, 30, 30, and like that's it, you know. <laughs> All right, so 10? I feel like Parable did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 10. Yeah. Parable. Oh, I found I found some more art from Parable, and, like, I got a new iPad over Christmas, and now, like, uh, my old iPad had some Parable art, and now this has even cooler art. It's another Alex... I, it might even be from Parable. I think it's just an Alex Malieve, um, uh What do you call it? I Malieve in a thing called Love. Silver Surfer. <laughs> Can that be the episode title? <laughs> <laughs> No, because we didn't talk about Alex Maliev except for this. Oh, that's true. Uh, okay, so this... Jeez, Spider Island goes in at number 10. That's a good showing. That's It's been a while since we had something up that high. Yeah, seriously. Vision, yeah. I think, was the last one. Yeah. That's just a solid book start to finish. That's just... Oh uh, my gosh, that's right. Maybe this should go up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and knock down, knock down Hawkeye another peg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're you're speaking. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about what books we're going to read next time. I think it's time to do that. So, for our next episode, uh, we are going to read. We got another. Uh, we got another Chris Claremont story. We're going to read Big Hero Six. I, which I, my only experience with Big Hero Six is the Disney cartoon, but it was based on a five-part miniseries from 2009, I believe, 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. written by Chris Claremont, very manga-inspired. I don't really know that much about the... I know the comic differs from the movie. Yeah, a so lot. I'm excited to see exactly how. Yeah, a lot. It's like the names are the same, but that's a, that's about it. That's about it, yeah. I I, I had read uh, Big Hero 6 because I had read their... Um, the spinoff off of uh, ends the earth. Cause they have like a one shot that ties yeah. into that. Yeah. And I read this book after, cause I was like, who, who, why, why, who are these? Why's, <laughs> um, and I read this and then like a year later, the movie came out and I was like, this isn't the same at all. <laughs> Movie's real good. though. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like that really Baymax good. a lot more. He's a big marshmallow. <laughs> Very big. Uh, Speaking of things that are not quite the way that we remember them, uh, we are also going to read a miniseries from 2003 called Truth, Red, White, and Black. 
Uh, this is a story, I don't know much about it, haven't read it. It's the story of basically, I believe, the U.S. government trying to recreate the, the super soldier serum by testing different things on possibly unwilling African-American subjects and giving someone super, like, Captain America powers, but he's black, and so he has to deal with all of the stuff that was going on there. It's interesting. There, If this story does kind of follow the beats that I think it does, there's a good chance that there are some actual real-world historical parallels that I'm somewhat familiar with. That Tuskegee talk about, Airmen. And it will be, oh, yeah, super depressing time for all. Yeah. Which you know I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I think that's going to do it. We've been going for a while, so I think we might actually have to end it here. I don't know if anybody had any back matter. Uh, hyper-realistic Kamala Khan's embiggened uh, hand it makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, I think we've already established that in previous back matter. I usually okay, grumble I just, about Uncanny Valley when it comes to this kind of discussion. I, yeah, I got, I, got an email, I got an email about pre-order of the Avengers game from Squeenix now. Like, nope. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that was like their, their big picture was like her hand reaching to the screen like all embiggened. And I was like, oh God, please make it stop. <laughs> Do you say Why? Squeenix? Yeah. Yeah, Squeenix. Squeenix. Square Enix. Is that how you say it? Squeenix? Yeah, Squeenix. Yeah. We said In the this vernacular, thing. Squeenix. Yeah, oh. Squeenix. The more you know. I did. <laughs> <laughs> did not know. All right, that. and with that, I hope we've imparted some knowledge unto you. This has been the Superhuman Registration Podcast, and I think we're done killing buzzes for the evening. So <laughs> <have a> good night. <laughs>